Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. Firstly, happy Easter. So tell the person next to you, happy Easter. Happy Easter. Easter Sunday. You might have already done that, sorry. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed the photo booth. We've got that out in the foyer. Don't worry, it'll be here afterwards, so you've got uh, some time to do that if you haven't already. We've had hot cross buns. I'm not a fan of hot cross buns. I'm not a massive fan, but... Boo, boo, good, yeah. Oh, thanks, okay. Uh, but we got cream eggs afterwards. Yeah. Ah, now we're talking, yes. Some of this healthy stuff. Uh, good. Well, I'm really glad that you are here. I'm really glad that I'm here, but I'm more glad that you are here. Because I believe that this God who we've been talking about, um, who's really, really big, is really, really real. And he loves you. And so I'm really glad. You're welcome, Matthew. I'm so glad that you are here. And uh, Easter Sunday is a funny one, isn't it? Because it's not like you don't really know what we're going to talk about. Uh, you can kind of assume, and you probably assumed correctly. Because it's like Christmas, uh, at Christmas we talk about uh, Jesus being born, uh, a big event, the biggest event in history. And at Easter, when Jesus dies and comes back to life. So interestingly, the beginning of his life here on earth, and today, the end of his life here on earth. And I think Easter is an incredible time for the church uh, to be thankful, as what we've done already, is to be thankful and to align ourselves again with the weight of the love of God. The weight of it. And obviously we try and remember that daily, don't we? But Easter is a beautiful time for the church to remember that and to be thankful. And it's also a great time for those of you maybe who um, are, have been considering uh, coming to church or considering uh, becoming a Christian uh, because you might have been reading blogs or doing some research or listening to podcasts, listening to music. You might have been uh, coming to hear Freedom Church or another church and, and you're actually at a point where you're like, actually, I think, I think I'm good. I think I, I think I believe in this. I think I, I want to I wanna seal the deal. How do I do that? Well, do not fret. We're going to give you the opportunity uh, at the end to do that. Uh, it would be really rude of us not to offer you that. So we're going to do that um, at the end. And also, um, for those who have never considered putting their faith in anyone, let alone this Jesus person you've never met, I would challenge you to consider Jesus. To consider Jesus. And for those who are in church, consider Jesus again. Consider Jesus. And that's what we're going to be thinking about today, in spite of the fact that potentially you know some Christians. I know that I'm not always perfect, and we know that Christians can be a bit of weird and wonderful at the same time. So in spite of the fact that maybe you know some Christians, in spite of the fact that you maybe uh, grew up with some, or maybe you're living with a Christian, or in spite of the fact that you had a really bad church experience. And I just want to take this moment to apologize for that. On behalf of us at Freedom Church, if you've ever been hurt by the church, I'm really sorry. That shouldn't have happened to you. So in spite of the fact that you might have had a bad experience, consider Jesus. In spite of the fact that you might have experienced pain, consider Jesus. In spite of the fact that you may have tons and tons of questions, consider Jesus. That is my challenge for you today. So here's some really good news, which I've kind of already touched on, is that the, the, the foundation of the Christian faith is not based on Christians. Anyone happy about that? 
looking around. Don't look at anyone. But I'm really glad of that, that the Christian faith is not founded on Christians. The Christian faith is not founded upon the church. The Christian faith is not founded upon our unanswered questions. It's not founded upon what Christians do or don't do or say or don't say. Because the truth is, the foundation of the Christian faith is what we celebrate at Easter. as Jesus. So this morning, we are going to consider him. This morning, we're going to take a whistle-stop tour through some world religions. Um, we're going to take uh, and how Christianity is, is different from them. Uh, and we're also going to uh, look at why Jesus dying and coming back to life has anything to do with us today. So I begin by sharing with you uh, that it's recently occurred to me that the society in which we live in has kind of uh, declared and labelled that all religions are the same. So the society in which we live in, that's what they say, that all religions are the same. All roads lead to the same place. That's what our culture says. All religions lead to the same place, lead to God. And, uh, you know, it's because probably that tolerance is actually highly valued. So what that basically means is, well, everyone's right. Whatever you believe is right. Whatever you believe is right to you. So it's a really high kind of tolerance level. Um, and, you know, they would say that it doesn't really matter who you believe in, what you believe in, or how you get there, or what you have to do to get there. It all leads to the same God. It all leads to the same place. And I'd love for us to recognize this morning that um, there are many, many good things about religions, about all religions. There are many, many good things. But we have to acknowledge that they're not the same. They are really different. And so what this world is telling us is actually not true, that religions aren't the same. And so we're going to take um, just a, a really brief a overview of some of them. Okay? So Buddhism, um, a Buddhist would believe that there is no God. They, there is no God. And they would believe that there is a countless rebirthing cycle, uh, reincarnation, that some point, at some point will stop. So that's, that's what they believe. Hinduism, uh, a Hindu would believe in a God, but an impersonal God, so he's far away. And the only way that you can approach that God is through statues and through idols, which you may have seen in movies or even in person. Uh, Buddhism and Hinduism, both of these, offer no forgiveness. There is no forgiveness for you, and there is no help from any supernatural power. And which means when you do something wrong you deserve to have something done wrong to you, right? So karma, they believe in, in karma. Um, Muslims, uh, they worship a personal God, um, Allah, you might have heard of Allah, uh, where there is a total ban on idols, no idols are allowed. Um, and your standing on God actually depends on your good works. So if you've done well, then you're in, you're in the good books, right, with Allah. And then you contrast this with those of the new religion, uh, New Age religion, sorry. Uh, the New Age religion, they believe that there is no type of God at all. They believe they are one with the universe, that they are one with the cosmos. And so you compare all of these with Christianity, where there is a personal God who actually came down to earth himself in the form of a human, Jesus, to suffer the punishment of our sin so that we can be free. God shows his forgiveness and his love 
asking for nothing in return. And so can we not acknowledge that religions are not the same? They're very, very different. Even though there are many good things about each one of those, they are not the same. And one of the biggest debates between a Christian and another um, is, there's all sorts of things, isn't there? But one of the, the main things is this person we call Jesus. Jesus is a controversy. He is a debate. And it's not, it, the debate doesn't happen because Jesus um, didn't exist, because if you're a historian, a politician, a doctor, whoever, if you look at the evidence, it is obvious that Jesus existed. So the debate isn't over whether he existed or not, because he did. It's very obvious. There was more evidence for Jesus being alive than there was Caesar, which is quite uh, a thing. So the debate isn't over whether Jesus existed. That's settled. And the debate isn't also over what Jesus taught, because he taught love. He taught peace. He taught gentleness. And he taught kindness. He taught to love the poor, to love those who are overlooked. And so the world actually aligns with Jesus' teaching. So the debate isn't over what he taught either. So where does the controversy lie then? Well, it probably lies in uh, the exclusive claim that Jesus made about himself. We live in a very inclusive world, don't we? Where everyone can believe what they want, everyone matters, you know, all of that. We live in a very inclusive world, so no one should be left out. All roads lead to God. But Jesus opposes this way of thinking when he claims, the exclusive claim, that he is the only way. And that's where people uh, have a trouble with understanding that. Because in an inclusive world, everyone uh, gets there in the end. Whatever means you get there, you get there. But Jesus made the exclusive claim, actually, I am the only way, I am the only life, and I am the only truth, which is what he says, uh, recorded in the book of John, which is the second half of the Bible, the New Testament. John was a good guy, he wrote a gospel, and uh, Jesus uh, was recorded in that gospel to say, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And so in an inclusive world which says all roads lead to God, Jesus said this exclusive claim that that isn't true. I am the only way to eternal life. I am the only way to maximum life of satisfaction. I am the only way. And so there's, that's where the debate lies. And here's what I'm asking you to do is to consider this Jesus. And I'm not asking you to consider church. I'm not asking you to do that. I'm not asking you to consider Christians, I've, I've already mentioned. I'm not asking you to do that. I'm not asking you to consider our set lists and how good our worship is. I'm not asking you to consider any other. I'm asking you to consider Jesus, the man who is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. He is fully God and fully man. He is the one that we are considering. And I'd love to tell you a story. I love stories, and I'd love to tell you stories. Here it goes. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And he said it was good. He then created the stars, the moon, and everything in the, uh, the, on the earth, and trees, and animals, and he said it was good. And then he created mankind, male and female, in his own image, and he said it was very good. <laughs> very good. He said it was very good. It was better than the trees. Mankind is better than the stars. It is very good. And he said to them, look, go forth 
and multiply. Everyone say go forth and multiply. Say it with a bit of sass. Multiply. And it's not just multiply with children, of course. But it's also, he wants us to multiply in everything. He wants us to grow in our understanding. He wants us to grow in our love for others. He, he's in the business of multiplying. What are we doing next week? We're multiplying. We're going from one to two. He's in the business of multiplying. So he says, go forth and multiply. And he says to them, Adam and Eve, you can eat from any tree in the garden. Enjoy it. Enjoy the garden. It's yours. But don't eat from the tree that's in the middle of the garden. Don't eat from that because it will hurt you. Don't do it. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and if you eat from it, you'll die. Don't do it. And so they kind of carry on in life, and they're loving life, and they're eating stuff, and they're making memories, and God's walking with them in the garden. And then one day comes that changes the course of history. Adam and Eve eat the fruit. The sneakiest of all animals came to Eve, and he did what he does really, really well. He deceived, he tricked, and he cheated. I'm not okay with that. That's what he does best. He's really good at it. He tricked her into thinking that what God had said to her wasn't true, which is a load of rubbish, because it is true. He was very good at tricking her into thinking that she was right or that God was wrong and that actually, actually there's a better way. And he was very convincing. And so Eve believed the sneakiest of all animals. What was once found was lost when she ate the fruit, when Adam ate the fruit. From that day on, everything changed because it wasn't just a physical death that happened. God said, if you eat the fruit, you will die. And so when they did, that happened, but it wasn't that physical death. It wasn't like the death penalty as we know it. It's, it's, a, it's a, a deeper death. It's a spiritual death. And I'm sure many of you in here may have experienced a little bit of that, where we just feel death, or there's just nothing in us. There's nothing left to give. We may feel empty. And so when they ate the fruit, that's what happened. They were cast out of the garden because God is so holy that he created this law and he's a good God, he's a just God. He doesn't just overlook the law he's created. He was just. And we may say, well, that's really unfair. I thought God was loving. Why doesn't he just forgive them there and then? Well, God created this law. What God says is. And so he said, if you eat from this tree, you'll die. And so when they ate from the tree, that's exactly what happened. They died. They, something happened within them that changed, that they were no longer alive, but they were dead. They were no longer free. They were in chains. No longer could they walk around and with freedom that God had given them, but they were in chains. They were enslaved to this thing called sin. Sin and death is what disobedience brought into the world. And you might ask, well, how does that work? Well, you know, why does this have to be the case? Well, a concept kind of unknown to this world is a bit strange. We might find it a bit strange. Is the fact that um, this, uh, the, the truth that the punishment of sin is death, right? That's what we believe as Christians. This is what the Bible says in Romans. Uh, a guy called Paul wrote, for the wages, for the debt of sin is death. 
And so here's the thing, when God said that, when he said to the law, this was the law, if you do this then you'll die. It was the start of a law that when we disobeyed, things go terribly, terribly wrong. God is holy. He's good. He's generous. And so we had to be separated from him because we become unholy. And we may argue that, well, law is law, but we know, don't we, that in this world, law is very good because we've seen in the movies and the TV series, when there is no law, things go terribly wrong. And so law is good. It wasn't a harsh rule. It was a law that was healthy for us, and yet we made that mistake. Well, you may be thinking, well, okay, well, that was Adam and Eve, and that was kind of a really long time ago. What does that mean for me? Like, what does that mean for us in the 21st century? Well, unfortunately, this is some bad news. Because when Adam and Eve ate the fruit, when that sin had entered that world for the first time, this world for the first time, we inherited it. We as the human race, as mankind, we inherited that uh, sin and death that uh, came from disobeying God. We inherited that position of being guilty. And I don't know, um, I don't know how, I, I don't really know why that occurs, but I just believe that to be true because the Bible says it to be true, that the law says sin and death are over us. That's a great stuff. Are you glad you came? <laughs> Yay. Good stuff. Uh, let's go back to Adam and Eve, right? So when Adam and Eve committed the first sin, which is simply something done you know, against God's law, which we know. God's justice required him to remove them from himself. Are you getting this? Am I, am I explaining this well enough? Okay, that's good. It's really complicated. I tried to do it in such a simple way. Um, and so God did so, but, he, but what he did, because God is so good, right? Even though he had to cast them out from the garden, which is where they were, even though they were dead, kind of spiritually, God still walked with him. You get that? God still loved them. It's not like he went, oh, over to you. You've, you've, you've done it now. No, he said, you're out. You're, you're sinful now. You made that mistake, and I can't, I can't be with you because I'm so holy. But he didn't just leave it there. He loves the world. He loves each one of us. And so, he, you know, he, he walked with us still. And you can read this whole story in the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible. It's pretty long, isn't it? <laughs> it's pretty long. But when you get into it, it's actually ridiculously fascinating. And so this whole story of God, yes, he cast them out of the garden because that's what had to happen, but he still loved them. And so he walked with them. He, he made every effort. He tried so hard in, in, in all areas of, of life to try and make them right with him. He gave them every opportunity to be made right with him. And something he did uh, was make a, a system in uh, how this could come about, right? So um, he created a specific way that his people could be made right with him. This is where it could get a little bit more confusing uh, when we talk about the sacrificial system. So what God did was he created a system, this system, sacrificial system, so that when we sinned, there was something we could do that would pay the price that our sin now owed. So he said, look, we've got some rams, uh, we've got some female goats. If you sin, then I'm willing to use this animal as a substitute for you so that you can be forgiven. Does that make sense? 
So he used this animal, he used this sacrificial system to say, look, I know you've done wrong, but if you sacrifice this animal, because why sacrifice? Well, it was precious and it was costly. Right? We could probably, how much can you buy a sheep nowadays? I don't know. Fiver? <laughs> anyway, they, they, were, they were really costly, right, these animals? And so God said, look, I'm, I'm willing to accept the blood of an animal in the place of your sin. And so God did this. And they did it for years and years and years. But the trouble with it, you see, is this. It can only happen once. We were still in the same problem. Because it was a temporary fix. Because it only worked until you sinned again. And so you'd have to go back to the tabernacle, the temple, or the church building. They'd go back and they would have to sacrifice this animal again. And so it was a temporary fix. Until... You can see where I'm going with this. Until what we celebrate on Good Friday, God sent a holy lamb from heaven itself to be sacrificed once and for all to make this wrong right. And that is what we are so thankful for. He took our sin. I, you, we had a penalty to pay. We had a price to pay. We were in debt. And Jesus came to pay that debt off, requiring nothing. He didn't say, well, what do you got to do now? I want you to do this. I want you to do this. And you need to be like this. He didn't say that. He said, freely, I give up my life. Freely, I give of myself so that you, so that you, so that you, so that you, so that I could be free from this weight of this law, of this punishment of sin and death that was over us. Wow, what a gift. What a gift. That is such a good gift. Such a good gift. And I'm not worthy of that gift, and neither are you. I don't know you, some of you, but I can imagine. You're not worthy of this gift. But God goes, I love you. I love you so much that I'll give my only son. And how that works, Jesus being God's son, but Jesus being fully God, is all a bit confusing, isn't it? But maybe one day we'll get our heads around that. But God offered himself in human form, Jesus, this Jesus, to die in our place. Wow. <laughs> and you've only got to really, um, you know, watch a scene from the, the movie, The Passion of the Christ, just to, just to get a glimpse of what that was like. Wow, he did that for me? For the, for the whole world? Is that even possible? There's a lot of us. For once and for all, this is history, this is present, this is future, once and for all. Jesus, the Lamb of God, was sacrificed for us. But whoever created the name Good Friday called it good because of that also, but also because he knew that Sunday was coming. Because Jesus didn't stay dead. He didn't stay dead. He was alive. He conquered the grave. He wasn't won over. And, you know, Satan, the devil, the enemy, whatever you want to call him, he thought he was having a field day on Good Friday. Boom! I did it! Uh-huh! 
But that was his biggest mistake because he didn't know that Sunday was coming. Jesus rose from the dead. He came back to life. And we're just going to take a really brief look at what that means. Like, why was the resurrection, uh, you know, why was that necessary? Because if Jesus died and he's, you know, he's paid for our sin and death, that's great. Well, why why does he not stop there? Can he not just stay in the grave? Would that not have been enough? No, it wouldn't have. It would have been the complete opposite. Because in the Bible it says that if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, then all of this is an utter waste. My life would be a complete and utter waste. But Jesus rose from the dead, and that made all the difference. So we're going to have a look at why. Why is the resurrection so important? Why does it uh, really matter? Well, it means a heck of a lot. Um, Here we go. So firstly, we've got these on the screen. Firstly, without the resurrection, God would not have proven that he is God. Okay? First of all, he wouldn't have proven that he is God. If Jesus died and stayed dead... He wouldn't have shown his enormity, his significance, and his divinity. Because you cannot kill God. Even if you don't believe in a God, if you could just imagine that there is a God, if it, it, it just, you wouldn't be able to kill him because he's God. Right? Okay. So he, would have, he wouldn't have shown his enormity, his divinity, that he was God. And God is the Alpha and the Omega, right? Which means the beginning and the end. And so if Jesus died and there was an end to his life, then it would have completely shattered the truth that God is God. Because God created time. He's over time. He is the beginning, he is the end. So Jesus died, then that wouldn't have been true. But he didn't. (laughs) Praise the Lord. He came back to life, proving that he was who he said he was. Secondly, without the resurrection, Christ wouldn't have demonstrated his power to forgive Sin. Now, we talked about this already, haven't we? Where he, when he died on the cross, he forgave. He, he, he took everything on, the weight of sin and death on himself. And when he died, something happened. How? I have no idea. But something happened, and that was taken away from us. But the power that he had to, to do that could only come if he was uh, resurrected, if he came back to life. And so he did. He did. He came back to life, and he showed his authority in being able to break that chain. From when Adam and Eve first sinned, when he died, he started the process. When he came back to life, he completed it. And so that's how um, that happened. Thirdly, without the resurrection, Christ's power over death would never have been revealed. So if Jesus died and never came back to life, he would have been just any other Joe Bloggs saying that he can do something and not following through. That's not true, is it? Because he didn't stay dead. He came back to life. And he proved that he was greater and bigger and better and more powerful than the chains of death and sin, the law of death and sin. He proved that to be true. And not only did this show that he had power over his own life and death, but ours as well. And so when we say, oh, for God so loved the world that he gave his uh, only son to die on the cross so that those who believe in him will not die but have eternal life, Jesus has, given, uh, has shown his power of not only raising himself to life but giving us that eternal life as well. Eternal life, that is ours. For those who want it, 
For those who believe in this Jesus has this eternal life that Jesus has been able to make possible. And then lastly, without the resurrection, God's enemy would never have been defeated. From the moment the enemy originally tricked Eve, he was really fighting viciously. And he was doing a really good job. I must hand it to him. But it was only lasting a very small time. The cross was heaven's triumph. And so when Jesus rose from the dead, he was just sealing the deal. He was going, I am who I, who I am. I am who I say I am. I am Jesus, the resurrection, the truth, the way, and the life. And so why is the resurrection important? Well, put simply, <laughs> it's only good stuff. It's only good stuff. And good stuff that we can have now. And all you have to do is to say, yes, please. I'll have it. Yes. I'll have it. You, you've done this, Jesus, and I, I believe, I think I believe, I believe that you did this, and this happened in history, and this power of a sin and death and all this craziness that I've tried to explain. You know, all of this actually happened. I believe this to be true. And so all you've got to do is, yes, please, I'm in. I'm in. 1 Peter 1, five, uh, 3 to 5 says this. It will come up on the screen. Uh, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy... He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power into the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Now I've got a question for you. Are you looking for purpose? Are you feeling lost or unmotivated? Then I will encourage you to consider Jesus and the death and resurrection of him. Are you feeling lonely, unappreciated or unseen? Then I encourage you, consider Jesus and all that he has in store and offer for you. Are you bored of the mundane, bored of the empty routines, and bored of just living life the way you've lived them? Then I would encourage you to consider Jesus. Are you looking for a home? Are you searching to belong? Well, consider Jesus and you've got it already. He gives us everything we need. And you may think, well, I'm not actually in need. Well, I think everyone's in need. I think we just try and hide it. I think we just try and ignore the fact that we are in need. And Jesus is the need giver. He is the provider. He is the provider of everything um, that we need. And the truth is, isn't it, that um, in one of the religions when I talked about the beginning, um, one of them was you had to have, there was a standard that you had to reach. And with God, that's just so, that's not true. And you may think, well, I'm not, I'm not good enough. Well, join the club. Neither am I. I'm not good enough, neither am I. There's no requirement for you to be at a certain standard because God is loving and he's gracious and he's there with open arms. Whatever, you, whatever your dreams are, you're welcome. Whatever you've done, you hear that? Whatever you have done, you are welcome. Whatever you think about, you are welcome. Whatever 
you think of doing, <laughs> you are welcome. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk. Thank you for listening.